When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lamarie, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, and we're talking quarterbacks and a little quarterback confusion on this podcast. And so I, I this this note from a texter made me think, okay, we need to reset this because I think they're speaking for a chunk of the fan base. And a little bit as a companion piece to this on the College Football Survivor Show this week, Shahan Jeharaja and I sort of went through the top teams right now, how their quarterbacks got to where they got. And the thing that you, I think, discover that Shahan and I looked into is when you are not a super, super duper, duper, duper power, you can develop a quarterback. Jordan Travis at Florida State was not an overnight success. Michael Penix now at Washington came from Indiana was not an overnight success. Bo Nix was pretty average at Auburn for a while before he went to Oregon. You know, Sam Hartman at Notre Dame is going to be there for one year. He he played a lot of games at Wake Forest. So when you're not Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, USC, like maybe you can take lumps a little bit and get your quarterback ready and have a payoff. We all know that, right? Because nobody's going to say, ugh. Can't believe Florida State didn't compete for the national title the last two years while Jordan Travis was getting his feet under him. And then you get a payoff at the back end. Nathan, like you can't do that at Ohio State. So we have to find a way to understand that you're not going to necessarily have a Heisman level quarterback from week one every single year when guys haven't played. But also, you don't get a mulligan quarterback season at a place like Ohio State. So I think this discussion we are about to have about the Buckeyes and their quarterback situation, Nathan, might be particular to the handful of the very, very, very top teams where there is a baseline of quarterback play that's expected and there, there's not a ton of wiggle room because you can't lose a year while your quarterback figures it out. Yeah, I, I also think, too, it it is about the difference between does the quarterback have to lift the team or does the quarterback have to help the rest of the team maximize what it is? And we might be looking in 2023 at more of the second thing, 
Whereas in 2021, especially in retrospect, we were probably looking at the former. C.J. Stroud needed to be someone who could come in and lift that team beyond what its limitations were, especially on the defensive side of the ball. That offense was going to have to be so good to overcome what were deficiencies from coaching to personnel to all sorts of things. And I think as we look at 2023, it's it's also part of the equation that the the defense seems to be taking a step forward. The re- receiving core is both talented and experienced. Uh, they might be healthy at running back. Quarterback, while it is the most important position and the biggest question mark, is also potentially set up this year to uh, – you, you don't have to be – what you're talking about, the Heisman Trophy caliber in this first year in order to have great success with this roster. So now that I think about it, we do a lot of pods. <laughs> now that I think about it, we I put a headline on a pod like 10 days ago that was, what if Ohio State's quarterbacks play like Stetson Bennett? And that was the discussion on our most crucial Buckeyes, our second most crucial Buckeyes pod, where we decided that the most crucial Buckeye this year was the quarterback, the quarterback position. And we had that discussion. What is lift versus be good enough to be carried along and all those kind of things. So I do think part of the discussion here to make it different from that is the current perception among the fans and how they should feel about it and what we have contributed to that discussion right now. So let me get to the texter question that launched this. It's from the 919. It's Terry from North Carolina. It's very well thought out. In Buckeye social media groups, the angst and skepticism around the quarterback situation is confusingly high. Specifically, I see regular discussions and comments indicating we're in trouble, that Kyle McCord isn't the answer, that Devin Brown must not be either, or he had have stepped up and taken the position. It's been bad enough that I saw several pleased with the thought of bringing in the Auburn quarterback, TJ Finley, from the portal, which was just a crazy idea. Thankfully, that didn't materialize. But can you discuss the quarterback situation in light of this? It appears since they haven't been amazed by anyone in the spring game, or in McCord's case, the one game in 2021 and the mop-up duty since, that there is a somewhat sizable belief that we need a quarterback. I think we're in great shape at quarterback, and I trust Ryan Day to select the right starter and have that starter developed and running a very efficient offense by at least the Notre Dame game, but solid even before that. Thoughts. Steven, this is a texter saying it feels like a bunch of us are confused. Do you understand why they might be confused or uncertain in their feelings about quarterback right now? Yeah. Because the way I think us of media have talked about it sometimes, I think it can be very easy for a fan to think that the quarterback play is not going to be good this year. And I don't know if we tried to give off that vibe, but I think we have in some way. And I think part of it is Ryan Day came out and said it'd be cool if we could have a guy by the end of the spring. And I think we latched so hard onto that that when it didn't happen, it's like, oh, are we behind schedule here? And it's like, no. We're not actually behind schedule. Typically, Ryan Day picks his quarterback that second week of fall camp, and we're still on that schedule to do it. It's just that the options this time around aren't two second-year guys and a true freshman. It's a third-year guy and a second-year guy. So it seems like, especially from Kyle McCord's perspective, why hasn't he already won the job already? And I don't think that's a fair way to be looking at this because nothing about the last two couple of times Ohio State's had the – publicly announced his quarterback, even if one of the times it was pretty foregone conclusion, it was going to be Justin Fields. He waited until that second week of fall camp to do it. 
So let's blame Ryan Day. It's Ryan Day's fault. It's not our fault. Yep. Ryan Day made everybody confused. So I do think that's pretty spot on. But I also know that along the way, as we've talked about it, I think you guys have brought it up more than I have, that like, hey, oh, Justin Fields didn't look great in the spring of 2019. It's not like by it's not by the end of May every single time they're going to a new starting quarterback that they're like, boom, locked in, let's roll. We'd be ready to play a game tomorrow. And Steven has pointed out that every time there's a new quarterback, I'm like, it's over. It's over. The run is done. I It's, I don't know, three and nine. I was unsure about Justin Fields in 2019. I was unsure about CJ Stroud in 2021. And, you know, like 2018 is a little bit different because Dwayne had the opportunity to show you a little bit more. And, you know, there was very reasonable angst with JT Barrett in 2014. It's like Braxton Miller's shoulder falls off like two weeks before the season starts. And then they lose to Virginia Tech in week two while JT Barrett's completing like seven passes. And then I don't, you know, the idea of like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Oh, it'll de- the redshirt freshman who tore his ACL a senior in high school and limped around Columbus last year, who nobody thought was going to have to start this year. It'll be fine. Like, I don't know that anybody, like, nobody thought that. And then it was like JT Barrett just, like, got down to business and became JT Barrett and unflappable and was exactly what that offense needed. But, Nathan, there is a part of this that I do think the cycle of college football, when the stakes are so high, once we have decided there's no thing as a rebuild, no such thing as a rebuild, no such thing as a step back year, every year Ohio State's national title contender. They are. Because just when you think they're not, then that turns out to be their best chance. And just when you think they're loaded up for something, then it turns out that something trips them up along the way. So now we've established that. There's no rebuilding at Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. So is this just part of the cycle? Are we are we that far outside of the normal uncertainty cycle that happens when your starting quarterback gets picked in the first round and somebody new is coming in. Is that mostly what this is? Or is this somewhat significantly different that there there maybe is more angst, there should be more angst or whatever, just because of the specific circumstances? I don't think there should be more angst. I think this is fairly typical, and we should have seen it coming for a couple of reasons. Number one, as we've talked about many times, this is how Ohio State and Ryan Day decided to recruit this room. If they had recruited someone who wasn't of Devin Brown's caliber as the quarterback in that class or just skipped signing a quarterback in that class for whatever reason, and now the three quarterbacks here were Kyle McCord and Tristan Jebbia and um, – the one who's coming in this summer, whose name is escaping me embarrassingly as we're speaking. Lincoln Kingholtz. Lincoln Kingholtz. Uh, if those were the three quarterbacks who are going to be on the roster this fall, then we would know who the starting quarterback is right now, I think. Right? It would just be – it would have already kind of been handed to Kyle McCord. Uh, the other thing being um, – when when C.J. Stroud was competing, it's it's also a different situation. Like C.J. Stroud was competing against, um, you know, a true freshman and a guy who was in his class, but who he clearly had surpassed. And Justin Fields was even a, a more stark contrast than that. There's less of a contrast here, even though McCall McCord has more experience in terms of the the top end talent of them. I think there's less of a contrast in, in, in their relative experience. So. This is more or less what it's supposed to look like. The one wrinkle, though, it's also going to be the last year where the urgency is quite like this. Because as you said, 
it's not just that there's no rebuild. Look at 2021. Like you don't get a lot of time to figure this out if you're a first-year quarterback, a first-time quarterback. Like C.J. Stroud wasn't quite there yet. It wasn't his fault that they lost to Oregon, but he wasn't quite there yet in week two. Plus, he was hurt. They lose that game, and now that goes on and affects the whole season from that point on. And uh, starting next year, a quarterback can not that you want to lose games ever, but if it happens where you take that early loss and now you're a two loss team, but you're still going to make the playoff and you can be peaking late in, in a different way and have it still pay off for you. Whereas right now you just don't have that opportunity. All right, quick break. We'll come back with a thing that I think is hanging over this next on Buckeye talk. So I think the fact that Kyle McCord has started a game is affecting this. Mm-hmm. And Steven, you're nodding. So let us revisit the disastrous performance by Kyle McCord when he started against Akron in 2021, when he was completely overmatched and you thought to yourself, Kyle McCord, he's never going to make it. Look at this. 13 of 18 for 319 and two touchdowns. I mean, come on. How can anyone tolerate that? That, oh, he only threw for 300 yards and two. Listen, I know it's Akron. But like in my head, like, so I right going into that game, I'm like, I don't know about CJ Stroud. I think you got to get a look at Kyle McCord. And then Kyle McCord played. And I think I thought to myself, okay, no, I think it is CJ Stroud. And then CJ came back and took off. But Steven, when we look back, it's not like he threw six picks. It's not like he was, let me, I'll gather JT Barrett's stats from the Virginia Tech game in 2014. It's, it's not like he was eight of 23. He completed like, you know, whatever, 70% of his passes and threw for 319 yards. But yet, Stephen, you agree that there's like, we've just seen enough at a time when it was like, again, that Kyle McCord to this Kyle McCord is a completely different thing. But we have enough pseudo evidence to have it affect, I think, the conversation. He wasn't shiny anymore after that game. I think I mentioned that in a different pod. He was a five-star quarterback who up until that point, the theory of him was awesome. Because especially since C.J. Stroud wasn't playing well, the entire argument for why Kyle McCord should get a look was he's a five-star quarterback and C.J. Stroud hasn't been really been it yet. So how about we give the five-star quarterback, who technically is the first offensive commit to ever commit to Ohio State in the Ryan Day era. How about we give that guy a look? Give the five-star a look because the four-star is not getting it done. The moment Kyle McCord came on the field, the five-star shiny started getting chipped at. And it's, it's some of that is context of – Yes, it was 72% completion percentage, but let's remember that game, actually. A lot of that was pop passes. Like, Ryan Day made it really easy for Kyle McCord once it was very clear that he was kind of in over his head at that point in his career. So that game actually is a good idea of the floor of Ohio State's quarterback. At worst, it's going to be that because the weapons are so good and the play call is going to make it easy for Ohio State's starting quarterback if he's not ready. It just happened that C.J. Stroud was ready once he came back from that shoulder thing and from the Rutgers game on, it was on. But the point is with Kyle McCord is once you get on the field as a five-star top 100 recruit, you're not shining anymore. You're no longer the theory of what you might be able to be. It's it's real now. And if you don't live up to that five-star from day one, we go, ah, we're done with you. Where's Quinn Ewers? We're done with you. Where's Devin Brown? Where's Dylan Rayola? Where's Aaron Nolan? And it'll, it'll be the same thing to the end of time as we spend all this time as, with them as recruits, building them up. And the moment they're not exactly what we think they are from day one, it's like throw it away and let's get a new toy in here. 
JT Barrett in his second career start in the season in which Ohio State won the national championship. Nine of 29, 31%, one touchdown, three picks. Like if that was Kyle McCourt's line, Nathan, like we'd be, we'd be significantly yeah. beyond confusion. We'd be potentially at panic, even though it still would be two years old in a tough spot as a young guy. And now he's been around and developed. You wrote the big Kyle McCord story for us, Nathan. And tell me if I'm wrong on this. Does it feel like Ohio state fans just don't quite know what to make a Kyle McCord? Like they don't what? like, what is it that you latch onto with this guy? Other than the fact that he's Ryan Day's handpicked guy, which is not nothing. But I don't know if it's hard to get a, a read on him and that maybe once he gets on the field in the opener against Indiana, I'll be like, oh, that. Oh, well, yeah, no, that. Because we did, right? I missed the one of them, but you guys saw him two full practices in the spring plus the spring game. So I'll ask you two questions, Nathan. Do you think the fan base doesn't quite have a read on Kyle McCord yet? And do you feel like you have a read on Kyle McCord, Nathan? Like what what type of quarterback he is at his best? What his extraordinary trait might be? What he's going to look like when it's good? The possible things that might trip him up. Do you feel like you have a very good grasp of that? Uh, So to answer the first question, I, I think there is some of that. You know, both... Justin Fields and CJ Stroud, if we're talking just the ones from Ryan Day's head coaching tenure, came in with some backstory. They and, and sort of an intriguing, unusual backstory. You know, Justin Fields being the kind of a you know the QB one stuff, and he was also a big baseball prospect, and he had everything that went down at Georgia, and there was like a racial element to that. And so now he's coming to Ohio State, and then CJ Stroud with everything he went through, and some of the details of that didn't fully come out until later. But we also knew of him as like this late rising prospect. And there's a lot about Cal McCord that is more conventional, and more conventional can sometimes just be a little bit boring and a little bit less doesn't resonate quite the same way. You know, he's a guy who from like a like upper middle class, middle class, whatever ish background who was a good football player. And then he came to Ohio state. Like it's, it's pretty straightforward. And, um, and I, so I think that's part of it that maybe that there just hasn't been an opportunity to embrace him. And then also the fact that it wasn't like he's had, let's look at Dwayne Haskins in 2018, well, he'd had kind of a moment to come in and 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 get his foot in the door in a more real way than just a true freshman game against Akron. Like he'd made a little bit more of an impression. And then before the job was turned over to him full time, I think that is also missing here, too. People don't really know yet because so much of Comic Cord's ex- in-game experience has just been handing off or doing kind of basic things in the offense that that is also probably not really allowed fans to like get going with this guy yet. And uh, obviously he had an opportunity to maybe do that more this spring and in the spring game and the jury's out on whether or not, I suppose your, your mileage may vary whether he did that for me. I do think I have some concept of what he is. I would say though, that things like the extraordinary trait, I'm sure Ryan day at some point will tell us what he thinks that is after he has named the starting quarterback. I don't feel like we really knew that about CJ though, until we saw it. When we saw him start doing some of the things he did with his eyes, 
things downfield against Minnesota early in his career. Like we we saw we saw ourselves. We didn't need to be told it. And I think that's going to be important. I don't know that we have seen it ourselves yet with Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, but I also don't know that even going into the 2021 season, if we could definitively say, well, this is the thing that's going to make C.J. Stroud the number two pick in the NFL draft someday. I think we thought he's a guy who has these skills and the best collection of skills to start on opening day for Ohio State. The extraordinary trait will make itself apparent, and it has to kind of happen under under real duress, under game circumstances, and with something on at, on, at stake, I don't know if it's going to happen on the indoor in, in spring practice. So, Stephen, you talked to Kyle McCord during the recruiting process, right? I mean, it's like, is he just like any other five-star quarterback? Like, it's, oh, oh, you know, you thought like C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller or, you know, Kyle McCord or... Dylan Rayola or like anybody that Ohio state's involved with and they're good in high school and all the best teams want them. And then they're going to be good. Like, is there any reason that Kyle McCord would not be in that same mix with any ever, every other five-star quarterback prospect in the country? Kyle is such a professional quarterback already. That's the, the immediate vibe you get when you get to know him a little bit is it's, it's, it's funny that him and Marvin are kind of linked right now because they're both that way. They're both professional, insert the position they play, and how they carry themselves. And we're going to, especially if he wins the job, we're going to see that from him. You guys are going to get to see that when he gets the chance to talk to the media weekly, especially after games and during those bye week, during those midweeks. He is professional with it, and that's a product of what he grew up around and his environment, coming from a dad who, who played quarterback as well. The football special trait, at least here's what I think it is, based off what it was and what made him a five-star. He's got a rocket a touch to his arm. CJ was stupid accurate and could see the field better than most. There's not a throw Kyle McCord can't make. And the past two and a half years have been making sure that it's okay for you to know you can make every throw. That doesn't mean you need to make every throw. And so when we did see interceptions, that's often what it was. In that Acker game, when he threw that pick, if you saw Ryan Day's eyes when they went to him on the TV screen, it was like, what? In God's name, were you looking at right there? Why are you making that throw? And so there was some gunslinger mentality there that maybe had to be developed out of him for the nice way to say it. But I think his is going to be the fact that there's not a throw that isn't going to be available to Ryan Day in this and Brian Hartline in this offense because Kyle McCord can make it. Now he has to go out there and prove that at this level because just because it makes you a five star in high school doesn't mean it makes you a first round draft pick or a Heisman Trophy level quarterback in college. But that's what the potential was always with him is that he can make every throw and that he can make him make every throw pretty, you know, effortlessly in a way that might maximize this offense with these receivers. But as a personality, he's uh, CJ really let us in and Justin didn't let us in at all. And he was probably helped by that because of COVID. So he didn't have to let us in at all. Kyle's somewhere in the middle where he's going to give some quotes sometimes where it's going to feel like coach speak. But then once you get him going a little bit and you get an opportunity to just get one-on-one with him and have a conversation with him, when you're walking away with something, you'll really get a chance to know him. But on the, at that podium, it's going to get real professional in a way that we're not maybe used to because CJ wasn't always like that. So the other thing I think is worth reminding people of is that the quarterback process, more often than not, is messy. And on our 2023 Super Team podcast, we talked about, well, what if the quarterback was Caleb Williams? Or what if the quarterback was Bryce Young? And it usually doesn't go like that. 
When you look at the history of Ohio State, and we've talked about this a lot, they pick the wrong quarterback all the time. Anybody who lived through, like, Coop trying to have two starting quarterbacks, right? You're like, okay, I know what that looks like. Anybody who lived through, it's going to be Justin Zwick. No, it's not. It's Troy Smith. Anybody who lived through, oh, Todd Beckman's starting the season. Nope, that's over. They got blown up by USC. It's Terrell Pryor. Anybody who lived through the 2015 mess, right? It, there's They often, anybody who lived through Tate Martell is like, bring on all comers. And then Justin Fields gets here and Tate Martell is like, I'm out, right? It is messy. It is messy pretty much by definition. When you look at the class of 2021 and the 247 composite rankings, the top 11 quarterbacks in that group, and Kyle McCord is number six on that list, Five of those 11 have already transferred, right? It's messy. Tyler Buckner's on that list. He went from Notre Dame to Alabama. Sam Heward was the number three guy on that list at Washington. Washington dropped Michael Penix on his head as a transfer. He's at Cal Poly right now. People don't even know what that is. Jake Garcia from Miami is at Missouri right now. Yes, on that list, there is Caleb Williams. There is J.J. McCarthy. There is Drake May at North Carolina, who are three guys who were big-time starters a year ago. But there's also Brock Vandegrift at Georgia, who seems like he's not winning the quarterback battle against a less talented but more sure-thing fourth-year guy in Carson Beck. There's, you know, there's, there's not all easy success stories in there. Ty Thompson or Oregon has been waiting his turn. They dropped Bo Nix on his head, and he's not starting, right? So there's... There's a lot of quarterbacks in that class. There are more quarterbacks in the Kyle McCord range who have a messier situation than Kyle McCord does than guys who are Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, boom, they already have a year experience. So this is not unusual. But the other day, and I get obsessed with this, we get obsessed with numbers. As a journalist, you really should just care about the art, right? Am I delivering something for my readers? Did I write a good story? Did I have a good podcast? Did I send a good text? Did I deliver for the people that pay our salaries? We are your conduit. But also you have a giant, 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 maybe just speaking only for myself, ego. So we have Every a million ways to track everything we do now. We know how many people read every single story we write. We know how many tech subscribers we have. We know how many people listen to the podcasts. And so the other day I was looking at our podcast numbers and they're a little down. They're down compared to, we always, it's like a 30 day cycle. What are you compared to 30 days earlier? And we're down. And I was like, hey, what do we think about this? We have a meeting every week. We should invite people into that. It's like a Zoom It's like a tech subscriber bonus, bonus, bonus. Get to come to the weekly Monday meeting. There'd be like six people who would come to that. Young me, young Doug would have been like, can I go to a journalism meeting? That sounds awesome. That's not true. Because when we were doing those live Zooms and then we would do like, you know, we would just have, you know, conversations about our plans and stuff after the live Zoom, people would not leave. And there were much more than six people. (laughs) That's true. That's the like the top shelf, top, top, top shelf. That's like the foundation put out a menu the other day of like, here's your menu of all the things that you can get if you donate to our collective. And some of them are like, come to a meeting. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. cut. it's like, okay, I, I guess this is how we do this now. So anyway, I was very angsty about the fact that our numbers were down. And then our boss is kind of like, I think it's just May. Like this kind of happens every year. And I think that's right. And so, Nathan, I think it's just May. And when the starting quarterback is new, I 
sort of think this is what May is like. I think this is 10 or 20% more angsty, maybe, than we've had some other years. But most of it is common. And again, I want to emphasize, well, I'll I'll, I'll stop there for a second because I want to do another comparison. But do you agree with that generally, Nathan, that this is just post-spring football May, I'm not yet on vacation. I'm not at a beach or I'm not at a lake. I'm not taking a couple days off work with my friends and family. So I'm like sort of, I'm at work and I'm thinking about the Ohio State quarterback situation. And it's just May quarterback angst. Yeah, by the way, just real quick, this was supposed to be a messy quarterback situation too for Common Cord because, you know, originally he thought, well, I'll be a third year guy after Stroud competing against a first-year quarterback coming in, even if that was going to be Quinn Ewers, and all of a sudden, nope, it's going to be a second-year Quinn Ewers. And it turned out it's going to be a zero-year Quinn Ewers because he left. But, like, that messiness was already there. But, no, I I think this, again, unless it's been a situation, unless it's been a situation where one guy got the foot in the door and got, you know, in retrospect, we can talk about, like, uh, DJ Uyunglele and not going right at Clemson. But the transition actually seemed like it went pretty straightforward, right? Like you had a guy who came in, who subbed in for for Trevor Lawrence, played really well even in a game that they lost at Notre Dame, like showed some things, like looked like, okay, this is how it's supposed to work. And then Trevor Lawrence is going to move on, and now this guy already has experience, and look at him. He's going to take over this job, and they immediately like sink, and he's a it's a problem. And it, so the, the smooth transition doesn't necessarily work either. Uh, there's a lot that you don't know, and I, I sound like Ryan Day here, but it's true. There is a lot you don't know until it's a real game. And it's kind of go back to the Akron thing. Like it keeps getting brought up either as a reflection of, of Common Accord's quarterback talent or as part of sort of just Common Accord's narrative. I think it's much more interesting there, maybe, that he thinks it was important that he got to go through a real week of prep and play a game and 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 learn that whole process it means a lot more i think of it still being affecting who he is today from that but i don't think anything about how he played in that game it doesn't really mean anything to me at this point and so i think that yes anytime you have two quarterbacks who have barely played regardless of what their relative experience level is this is kind of what it's supposed to look like in may especially like i said before if you've done it the way ohio state has and you're recruiting like a top quarterback every year this isn't one of these guys wasn't just a guy who probably had a backup ceiling these are both guys that other major programs were actively trying to recruit to be their quarterback of the future face of their program etc etc i think from the column of course perspective that akron game showed him it wasn't going to be as easy as he thought it was going to be when he got here because and that's bit, yeah. i mean quarterbacks have quarterbacks have egos and when you're yeah. a five-star dude like he is, who has been committed to Ohio State since his sophomore year, you're not worried about the fact that – like, think, think about how high of an ego you have to have to look at two other quarterbacks who at their best were top 100 recruits and came in the class before you and still sign up to come into a room like that, thinking that you actually can win the job. That's not – 
you have to have an uber level of confidence to be able to do that stuff. And so I don't want to say it humbled him, but it definitely gave him a different perspective of, you know, this is not going to be a cakewalk the way that a lot of things have been for him as a quarterback, especially in high school when he took over at, at one of the most pr- premier programs in the, in the Midwest and won three straight cha- championships. So like this probably is the hard, as Nathan kind of was hinting at, this probably is the hardest thing he's had to do as an athlete is have to sit around and wait his turn a little bit in a way that he's never had to do before. But I think uh, it's just, I agree with you, Doug, it's just May, but also when is the last time there's been this much uncertainty when it, when it comes to who Ohio State's next quarterback is? Because in but, other situations, like even with Dwayne, it kind of felt like he was in the lead because of the Michigan game, because Joe Burrow hurt himself. With C.J. Stroud, he just had so much momentum coming in from high school that it was it, it really kind of felt like it was CJ's to lose even in this situation and with Devin Brown being the older guy here it does feel a little bit more neck and neck from a narrative standpoint than it has felt in a couple of years here with Ohio State's quarterback situation and who might be next and, and I guess the question is and maybe we'll find out after the fact is is it neck and neck yeah. because I think yeah, I agree I with that now to me it feels like it's not decided but when Ryan Day announces it he might say all right this guy's our right. starting quarterback. He's been ahead from the jump. Kyle McCord, and if he says that, it's because it's well, Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord did everything that you are supposed to do in your first two years as a quarterback at Ohio State when you aren't the starter. He is the blueprint. He is the new blueprint for what we want Ohio State quarterbacks to be, that you have a little bit of patience, you sit in every meeting, you work hard in every practice, you are on point, and then when it's your time, you seize the opportunity from Point A to point Z, Kyle McCord has done everything right. I wanted to challenge him. I wanted to make sure he had to work for it. I wanted to make sure Devin Brown had a fair chance. I wanted both these guys to push each other because I think competition brings out the best in people. Devin Brown is ready to win as the Ohio State quarterback, but Kyle McCord is more ready. And Devin Brown should watch everything Kyle McCord has done and will do this year and take that in and learn from it. Because Kyle McCord is the new standard. Justin was great, but that was a little goofy. CJ was great, but he came in late and he had to start in year two. My dream is to start a guy in year three. And ultimately, to me, the perfect Ohio State path is a four-year path where you sit for two years and you start for two years. And Kyle McCord is the first guy that is following Ryan Day's perfect path. And he has never been off the track for a day he could say that nathan and we'll be like (laughs) oh okay so we don't know but i agree to me it feels like it's not decided right now but the only person who really 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 knows is ryan day well again what wasn't decided as of right now two years ago was whether cj shaw was going to be the starter and that's it, that isn't just revisionist history. I mean, you and I were were just on this pod a couple weeks ago in relation to the whole things, everything CJ Stroud said about Quinn Ewers later, pointing out that it was like mid-August and Ryan Day was saying that CJ Stroud, after Quinn Ewers had arrived, like a couple days later, was like, well, he just he's just starting to separate. And, and it's all how it hits your ear. Because I think right now, because just because it's undecided doesn't actually mean it's close or tied. As we were, as I think we're going to talk about in a later question, just because it's close right now or undecided doesn't mean it's tied. And I think what what we look for, we saw times in this spring when we were comparing them head to head, and we said, "Oh, like Kyle McCord, there was separation today. 
there was the one scrimmage where McCord came in and led all those scoring drives late. And we were like, okay, today, if you had to pick a winner of this, it was Kyle McCord. But I think Ryan Day has a different definition of what separation is. Ryan Day doesn't say, well, one guy was better than the other guy today or this week. I think he looks for a, a separation into almost two tiers. And just because Kyle McCord maybe hasn't done that yet, A, isn't necessarily a a problem with Kyle McCord. B, it could also be that they, they got it right with Devin Brown, too. And then it's a guy who in his second year is showing them a lot of good things. And the other thing to remember about all of this conversation is that they aren't just developing a starting quarterback and then tossing the other guy aside. They have to p- develop both of these guys to be starting caliber this season because one of them, they both might have to be. It's a little bit like Devin Brown and Kyle McCord are in a race. And we see them at the starting line, and then they run into a tunnel. And they're in the tunnel, and maybe where there are windows at certain spots in the tunnel, and you can kind of watch them run by, and you're yelling into the tunnel, like, who's ahead? And you're yelling, it's echoing. And then you're not sure what's happening in the tunnel, so you kind of think, oh, when they come out of the tunnel, I think they might be neck and neck. And then... When they do come out of the tunnel, like in August, it might not be neck and neck. And it might be like, oh, that guy was ahead the whole time. We just weren't getting great reports from the tunnel. So I I definitely think that's possible. Like you're saying, Nathan, it's not decided, but it doesn't mean it's tied, I think is a good way to say it. Yeah, it reminds me of covering uh, when I covered high school sports and you recover cross country. Because it's like it's five miles long or whatever, 5K, 3.1 miles. Like you can't, I can't like run alongside the runners and like keep track of how it's going the whole time. So you're just, you try to scope out a couple of places where they come back out of the woods or whatever, and they run back into view of everybody. And you're, you're sort of crisscrossing at a couple points. And there is where you have to try to get your information. And then you go back and say, Oh, well, when I, when you came out of the clearing, I saw you had pulled ahead out to here. What happened in there? How did you, you know, was there a race strategy that led you? There? So whatever, I'm straying a little bit from the point. But yeah, it's, it's, it is like that. Like we're, we are getting snapshots and trying to extrapolate what's happened in between those shots. So I can remember when we sat with Ryan Day, it was like they were cycling people through. We get to go sit in Ryan Day's office preseason and the three of us were in there and it was in 2021 because we were having a lot of quarterback conversations. And it was at the moment where Clemson was going with DJ, Alabama was going with Bryce, and Ohio State was going with CJ. And it's the three biggest programs in the country at that point. And it is the three highest ranked quarterbacks all going into their second year. And I think you kind of thought, I don't know if you go three for three. Maybe they will. And I I can reveal now the guy that I had questions about was Bryce Young. (laughs) I remember you saying that to Ryan Day, and he looked at you like, oh, yeah, I was like, I don't know. He's kind of short. He's kind of short. He's just like, I don't care, but I have to worry about what's going on in my room right now. <laughs> but but the thing that Ryan Day liked the best was Bama was a little bit Bryce or bust. Clemson was a little bit DJ or bust. And Ohio State wasn't. That Ohio State had CJ Stroud and he had won the job. But they had a five-star one year younger. And and neither of those other two schools had that. And Ryan Day, I think, in the, like made it very clear. He always wants options. But you know what options can cause? Confusion. Because you do have options. If you only have one person, it's like, well, I guess that's it. So Clemson, for two years, 
First year at DJ Uyunglele starting, it was basically only DJ. And then the second year, they had Keg Klubnik as a true freshman, but you could tell Dabo didn't want to get there, and he got to him like week 14, and you know, but there wasn't like a ready second option. You can see the Alabama quarterback competition that's happening right now, which we'll get to in a second. There wasn't an option behind Bryce. The last two years was Bryce or bust. And Ohio State wasn't that because Kyle McCord, I think Ryan Day was like, listen, I believe in CJ, but if not, I also believe in this next guy. And then I think I believe in the guy after that. So right now, the the interesting thing about this college football season, I've said it a bunch of times on this show and on the College Football Survivor Show, the second tier programs that are national in the national title mix all have returning starting quarterbacks. Michael Penix at Washington, Bo Nix at Oregon, Caleb Williams at USC, Quinn Ewers at Texas, Jaden Daniels at LSU, Jordan Travis at Florida State, like all the JJ McCarthy at Michigan, all those kind of teams have their dude. And then Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State had quarterback battles this season. And so I think that lowers a little bit that, you know, like it, it creates more uncertainty and confusion around the three best programs. And then meanwhile, it's like, hey, man, Jordan Travis and all these weapons. I like that. LSU, Washington, Oregon. It raises them up. I think it's going to be a good college football season. But of the three, Stephen, and I've said this multiple times, I think Ohio State's quarterback battle, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, was in the best situation going into the spring. And I think it's still in the best situation. Because Georgia feels like it's going to be Carson Beck, who was a fourth-year guy, tall, not very mobile. And Brock Vandegrift, the guy who's their Kyle McCord, third-year, five-star guy, doesn't feel like he's going to win the job. And the whole thing, when and listen, Carson Beck once upon a time was ahead of Stetson Bennett and couldn't stay ahead of him. The, the whole thing with Stetson Bennett, when Georgia picked Stetson Bennett in the end ahead of, uh, of uh, B.J. McKay and his best friend Bear. What's the guy's name? Who's the quarterback that watched JT Daniels? You guys will ever watch BJ uh, and the Bear, that TV show? It's like no. a guy whose friend is a monkey. It was confusing because the monkey's name was Bear. His friend was not a bear. It was a monkey. I loved BJ and the Bear, but it was JT Daniels. JT Daniels is less mobile. They liked that Stetson Bennett's a little more mobile. So they liked the little more mobile quarterback, but they're going with a pocket guy because I think they're trying to grab certainty, a little more certainty with Carson Beck. I think there's less upside though. So their Kyle McCord is not winning that job. There's like a fourth year guy who's ahead of him. And at Bama, it went badly enough that they brought in the Notre Dame backup. And so it's one of these things. If you're a person who's saying like, oh, I wish Ohio State would bring a guy in. What you really want is to be in a place where you don't have to bring a guy in. Because you know where Ohio State brought a guy in in the late portal spot? Tackle! Because they're like, I don't know about this. Bringing a quarterback guy in in April or May is not a sign of strength. So, Stephen, that's proof that Alabama's quarterback competition is not in as good of a place as Ohio State's is. So, if you think as you're confused, if you think you're confused as an Ohio State fan, I think... Alabama fans are threefold, tenfold more confused because you've thrown Tyler Buckner in with Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. And Georgia fans might be fooling themselves that I think they think their defense solves everything, but they lost their offensive coordinator. Todd Monken and Stetson Bennett worked some magic, even though I don't know that they were best friends the whole time. They worked really well together in the end. Now you change the coordinator. You're all excited you got Dylan Rayola. But meanwhile, I think your starting quarterback is much closer to Todd Beckman. 
That's that's like my comparison. It's like a big, eh, good recruit, big, tall guy, but it's like, okay, man, I don't know. Now, listen, Ohio State made the national title game with Todd Beckman, so maybe George will do that again because everything else will be great. I would take Ohio State situation, Stephen. And you could say, I'd rather take Jordan Travis or Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix or Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy, and then you say you want to be LSU. Because all those schools, you got to usually take some lumps along the way to develop that guy. Florida State's been through the ringer for the Mike Norvell era right now. And they're coming out the other side with like whatever he is, fifth or sixth year Jordan Travis. So actually, Stephen, I think it is possible that maybe save for Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, and USC, that you would take the combination of quarterback situation and program at Ohio State above everybody else in the country. And meanwhile, our texter friend is telling us people on the message boards are freaking out. It's May. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We're doing Michigan week. It's just, it's May. May. Honestly. But but I will say, but but the the point you're making, it's not May. Hey, we're scrambling for content. Let's try to draw fake quarterback uncertainty. It's, it's May fan base, reasonable angst, but it's It's, May. It's It's, it's not, you're not drawing up for context. It's just, we're a hundred plus days from football being played. And we're about a month and a half removed, almost, not even a month and a half, a month removed from any real football news. So we're right in that pocket where you're overthinking about all the information you got for the past 15 weeks. And you go, you start thinking about Spencer Rattler. You start start thinking about DJ. And I think that when we were in Dave's office, the thing that always stuck out to me, because that was my whole thing in there, is like, why do you keep recruiting quarterbacks in there? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Clemson and Oklahoma had to sit through a year of Spencer Rattler and DJ and hope it got better. Now, with Spencer, it started getting a little better at the end there. With DJ, it really never got better. And then in that second year, like you like you said, with Cade Klubnick, how much do you want to put a true freshman in that? before you just, Or do you just want to get through it and then press the reset button and start the next year? Lincoln Riley decided in the middle of the Oklahoma-Texas game, we're pressing the reset button right now. Caleb, get out there and please go win us a game. And it worked for him. What if Ryan Ryan Day doesn't have to sit through it? He didn't have to sit through it with CJ. He's not going to have to sit through it, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or Lincoln Keenholz later down the road or Aaron Nolan or Bob from down the street. He's never going to have to sit through it. But as you said, it causes confusion because it's now it's not you have to sit through it. Do you want to sit through it? How many weeks? How many weeks does CJ get before you have to go with Kyle McCord because it's clear that the light's never going to come on? How many weeks do you sit through it with Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or down through the through the line? That's always going to be the question because if Kyle McCord comes out here in the week one and doesn't light it up, what are we going to do? Should we go to Devin Brown? Should he go to Devin Brown? We're going to do that until the light finally comes on. So the question with Ryan Day is always going to be how long do you sit through it? And I think that's where we're at right now is like, what if the first couple of weeks look like what CJ's first couple of weeks go through? Do we learn from our mistakes in the past and go, just let it let it ride out, let the development happen? Or do we freak out for four weeks until the light comes on? Well, they've got a big advantage, whoever wins this job over Stroud, because Stroud had to – I mean, the, the big game was week two. Like Oregon was sitting yeah. there waiting in week two. And here, you know, you open with a Big Ten team in Indiana, but then you get Youngstown State, you get 
Western Kentucky, you get to kind of ease towards that Notre Dame game a little bit in a way that C.J. Stroud didn't get to do. So I think that's a factor. And to, and to go back to something we said early on, when, when Ryan Day said the thing about that he was open to somebody winning this job at the end of the spring, I thought this that first time that he said it, and I think we talked about it on the pod at the time, that I was a little bit skeptical of, of that timetable. And I'm, I'm, I'm even more sure of it now. We, we talked before about when is he saying something to us and when is he saying something to them? I think that was a message for them. That wasn't a message about information and insight to us. I think that was a message to them to kind of try to stoke that, to stoke the competition and say, hey, if one of you guys blows me away with with how you perform, how you work, all that stuff, like I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll name a starter. But I never thought that was really a realistic outcome. I always thought that this would be more of a summer decision or at best case. I mean, I guess if somebody just blew the other one off the field in the spring game, uh, but it, this always seemed like the more reasonable timeline. I think this will always be the timeline more or less whenever there's one of these competitions going on. I think the only way we find out in the spring is if somebody transfers. That's it. Just like with Joe, like that's what the thing with Dwayne was like Joe Burrow transferred. So now we, I mean, whether they say it or not, we know who the starting quarterback is. Is this worse though? Then because with CJ, they lost. So like if Ryan wanted to, you know, you already lost and you already got to work your way back up. So why not start with a new quarterback with this situation? Because the game isn't until week four. I, I, I just feel like some of it, is, I, I, I think 2018 where they spent weeks going, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem, but nobody was good enough to actually make them pay for it until somebody was. And then by then it was too late to get back into the playoff race. Well, but I would also argue that with 2018, the fix was not one person. Like Dwayne Haskins wasn't the problem. Uh, I think that I think a, a, a change at quarterback can happen. Well, let's 2021 is the example. They did have a problem after week two, and it wasn't C.J. Stroud, and Ryan Day mm-hmm. acted. And I think yeah. if the quarterback play wasn't right three games in and they're 3-0, and I think he would make a change, like if it was that obvious. I don't think it would take a loss for him to make a change. But at the same time, it's like if Ohio State would have beat Oregon, would he have made the change with Kerry Combs? Oh, maybe no, not. But I, I mean, it's always easier to change after a loss. Play sure. out easier. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but it is easier. It is easier to change after a loss. But I don't think you would need one. I mean, Clemson 2018 is the example of that, too. So I, I do think the act, the added thing here is the transfer portal has made movement so much easier because, for instance, the reality is I think it is very reasonable to expect that the better quarterback in the Notre Dame-Ohio State game will be Sam Hartman for Notre Dame. But would Ohio State fans want Sam Hartman on this Ohio State team? Because they could have had him. If, if Ryan Day had undercut Marcus Freeman in the portal and said, no, Sam Hartman, come here. You're the starter. And what happens? They take Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner transfers. So what would you rather have? And they, they lost both their quarterbacks from last year because Drew Pine transferred even before Tyler Buckner did. They made a decision. Notre Dame made a decision from the, two, the quarterback play last year. Let's take Sam Hartman. If you ask Notre Dame, or Ohio State fans, would you take Sam Hartman for this season, but Kyle McCord definitely transfers and maybe Devin Brown transfers, but you get Sam Hartman this year. Would you take that? And I think the answer, I would say no, because I think when you're Ohio State, you, that's not where you want to live. 
Washington can live there. Washington dropped Michael Penix on their five-star quarterback, and he left. Oregon dropped Bo Nix on their five-star quarterback, and he's still hanging around trying to wait for next year. When you are schools, all most Jaden Daniels and LSU is a transfer. That second tier, you can go. The, a lot of people are going to transfer right now. Route at quarterback. I still think the best of the best of the best of the best, even though Lincoln Riley had three Heisman guys that were transfers. It wasn't portal, like finished product type of, type of transfers. I can remember, I think it was for the 21 season after Justin Fields. I was like, I don't know. You could take a portal guy. Maybe like I got, it was like, I don't know. Who would you take? And it's like, I don't know. Brock Purdy. I can remember saying Brock Purdy. Cause like Iowa state had been pretty good. He had been pretty good. It's like, well, I think you get Brock Purdy to come here and then you have Brock Purdy. Well, it didn't take Brock Purdy. What happened? They got CJ Stroud. What would you rather have? You, you, you took an Oregon loss with a young quarterback. Maybe Brock Purdy. Maybe you don't lose the Oregon game with Brock Purdy. But then you don't get any of the C.J. Stroud upside. And what would you wind up with Brock Purdy? I don't even know what happened to that guy. He might be selling insurance right now. I don't even know if he plays football. <laughs> he almost won the Super Bowl. I, I, know, I know that. I'm just being funny. So, like, that's the thing. It's going to be easier, Nathan, yeah. for – everybody that's not the top five teams to go take a really good quarterback and try to live that way. I don't think Ohio state's going to want to try to live that way. And the result is they might bump up. This might not be the last time we see a Kyle McCord slash Devin Brown versus Sam Hartman situation. This is the perfect encapsulation of it. Sam Hartman has thrown, has more passing yards than anybody in college football. Yeah. That's Sam Hartman. But would Ohio State want him instead with everything that entails? You might just have to suck it up and beat Sam Hartman in week four with the first year starting quarterback, Stephen. But it, I don't think it means that you wish you had gone the Notre Dame route in getting Sam Hartman. I don't think you're wrong, but I also I don't want to get too bogged down in the idea that we're for sure Sam Hartman is the is perceptionally the better quarterback headed into that Notre Dame game. Because I do think we're three quarterbacks into this day thing, and they've been awesome. So I do think there's room for enough benefit of the doubt here. That I'm not saying the whole scenario, but there is a world where whoever wins this job just Dwayne's this thing from week one. And like Dwayne from week one, and they played Oregon State. That wasn't the greatest competition in the world, but it was decent enough Power Five competi- competition that we all walked away like. <laughs> this passing game is going to be awesome. And it's kind of the same concept of the schedule here where you week one, you're playing a power five team, but it's not like the greatest power five team in the world, even if it is on the road and your real big moment of, is this Ohio state team good or not is week four. It was TCU in 2018 and it's Notre Dame in 2023. And there is a world where whoever wins this quarterback job, because the scenario is the same first year starting quarterback with a bunch of experience around him, whether it's running back, tight end, wide receiver. And this offense just comes out the gate and they drop 55 week one. And the quarterback's awesome from week one. And we're like, okay, quarterback's fine. And Ohio State should probably beat Notre Dame just as much as it's viable that it looks a little rocky. And we're still thinking that Sam Hartman's better now, even if he's not better for the long term. I just think I have leaned so far into this, like, this is just Dwayne Haskins again. Because the scenario looks so similar that maybe, like I said, it's May, and we're freaking – we're not even freaking out. We're just thinking about this so much of it might look like CJ's first year, but what if it just looks like Dwayne's first year? And it's cool, and, and it's fine. 
And I do think you might be onto something, Stephen, and it's part of your thinking that that was year three for Dwayne. This is mm-hmm. year three for Kyle and for Justin and CJ. When they became the starter at Ohio State, it was year two. Year two. Yep. So you have a, a, a you have twice the reservoir of knowledge and practice and film study and just acclimating yourself to the pressures of college football. And again, which is why maybe. Again, I, I don't want to put words in Ryan Day's mouth, but what's your ideal idea? He talks all the time. He, mm-hmm. he wants a second-year starting quarterback. I think most of the time he realizes in a world where he wants first-round quarterbacks, if you're going to get a two-year starting quarterback, that probably means he's starting in year two and year three. But I still think maybe his ideal world is sit one, two, start three, four. And Kyle McCord is right in the midst of that process. We don't know what's going to happen in year four. He's either going to start in year four also – or be so awesome he's not here, which is like, okay, everybody will take that. Or it gets a little sideways and Devin Brown takes over or something. But he might be in the midst, as we said, of a Stephen, exactly what it would be. And again, what would the perfect Dwayne scenario have been? And Ryan Day would tell you that now if Dwayne had come back. back for one more year. And, and why and part of that thinking might be his first two quarterbacks here fit that. He got JT Barrett in year four. And so it's like, and you, now there were some things that needed to be cleaned up from, but from an experience standpoint, JT wasn't like out there scared. Like he knew what he was doing. He just, there was just some, you know, mechanical stuff that needed to be cleaned up because Beck was his coach the year before that. And Dwayne Haskins year, his first two quarterbacks had been in systems long enough that like, at least from a, I know, I know that my quarterback knows what he's doing. He didn't have to worry about that stuff. While once he took over as a head coach with Justin and, and, CJ, he's also having to teach these guys like day one stuff while they're also out there playing football. So I get why Ryan Day would want this. I just scoff at it because you can't, I don't think you can live in both of those worlds on a consistent basis of having like first round quarterbacks who are here for more than three years. So but in the end, goes- Stephen, it's pretty clear. You were saying don't, Ohio State does not want the Sam Hartman situation. You're taking Kyle McCord because no. you're saying even by week four, you think you'll be taking Kyle McCord. Nathan, before you jump yeah. in a, what do you think about that specifically, Nathan? The Sam Hartman situation, is that somewhere that Ohio State should be thinking about at all? Or you do, you let Notre Dame and LSU and Washington do that, but you're Ohio State? In in this situation, no, I wouldn't. And and here, a couple of things. Number one, Sam Hartman, I well, actually, maybe this is just one big point. Sam Hartman, I think, is, a, is an excellent quarterback, but I think he also represents what Ohio State faces relative to the Big Ten in most years, a lot of times there's a quarterback who is pretty productive. I don't, there may not be a big difference between Sam Hartman and Aiden O'Connell, who I don't think was like a great quarterback and a guy who would have done much at Ohio state, but he, he's very productive. Uh, but I don't know that there is the same with both McCord and Brown. I think there's a higher ceiling, you know, go look at, if you go look at Hartman's numbers last year, I think CJ Stroud averaged about a yard, per attempt more. I think he had a quarterback rating that was about 20 points higher. And that's Those are significant separations. It's the difference between being productive and being elite. And I think Ohio State recruits and develops elite quarterbacks. And Sam Hartman has been very productive. I would not call him elite next to the Ohio State standard, at least, yet. Sam Hartman's not a guy who has like been in the Heisman Trophy mix at this point, despite all the yards he's put up. You know what I mean? So there's still some separation there. Sam Hartman also, if you go look at last year's Wake Forest, as productive as he was, it didn't stop them from losing to teams that had worse quarterbacks. And I think that'll probably happen again this year, even if he is better than than Kamakord or Devin Brown at that state. 
we know he played at Wake Forest, right? <laughs> sure. Wake Forest? Sure. Sure. That's like that's like ACC Indiana, right? Okay. I'm just checking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, I'm playing. That. I'm 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 cutting. I, I don't know who that was more of an insult to, Wake Forest or Indiana. Yeah, by the way, my, my favorite part of this podcast yeah, is no, where I Steven just... said that Indiana off of a four and eight season might not be the best power five com- team of all time. <laughs> Tom, Tom Allen is cutting that out and hanging that in the Indiana locker room. That's their He's slogan. Like, oh, wait till you, these Buckeye talk guys. <laughs> you think I'm the, you think uh, I'm the favorite person in that program right now? <laughs> I, I, I would say I think Sam Hartman is somewhere in between Aiden O'Connell and the Ohio State standard. I, I think he's above. He's throw, He threw 39 and 38 touchdown passes the last two years at Wake Forest. So Who's better? Uh, point taken. Sean, Cliff, Sean Clifford or Sam Hartman? Sam Hartman. No, it's not even close. I don't think it's okay. close. I think okay. it is no doubt about it. Sam Hartman and we'll see where he winds up in the draft because Sean Clifford was a fifth round pick. I don't think it's, I don't think it's even in the realm uh, that it's absolutely Sam Hartman and we can go back. I mean, I think Sam Hartman might be the best quarterback they have faced in the regular season since X. So, but anyway, but, but we can do that Notre Dame week. Um, So Nathan, but you, but you are saying like there's, you're saying right now, no, to the Sam Hartman scenario for Ohio State, could you see right. a situation where it would make sense? Well, like 2019, but I don't think they're going to get in that situation again under Ryan Day. That's the whole point here, right? Yeah. Like you uh, know, that's next Ryan year, say, com- yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, mm-hmm. Comicord, let's say Comicord has the the Haskins year, maybe not statistically, but just in terms of impact, and he's going off to the NFL draft next April. So now you've got Devin Brown, and maybe he barely played it all this year, kind of the same mop-up that Common Cord played last year. And you've got second-year Lincoln Keenholz, who wasn't as high of a caliber of recruit. And you'll have, I guess, a true freshman coming in. Like, in that situation, would you bring in Sam Hartman? I still think no. I think you've still got enough quarterback talent on your own. Why no. upset the roster that way? You've got a guy who's the heir apparent who w- has been on a a, a trajectory to – end up at a higher place than Sam Hartman that whole time. I think it would have to be a situation like where you're about to get caught flat footed. If you think people are angsty now with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, let's come back a year from now. If it's Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz, the King of South Dakota. And like that's because that again, now we're talking about, okay, well you have options. It's like, okay, well the whole thing was like, it's not that Lincoln Keenholz bad, but he wasn't a plan A. He wasn't a plan A. And as much as like Devin Brown got in here late after the Ewers thing, like Devin Brown is still a plan A. It's like McCord is the Absolutely. is the yeah. plan A S plan A that think- Ryan Day's ever had. And Devin Brown is a top fifty national recruit. If a year from there they're at Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholt, Steven, that is not what this is. That I think is potentially substantially more angstier than we are right now. It's very clumsy. Where like Lincoln Keenholz is Tyson Fomachaw. Um and the, the, it's not about talent. Yeah. It's not about talent. It's not about talent. It's about planting. Where it's Lincoln King hosts is Tyson Pomachaw, Trevor Devin Brown is Trevor Lawrence, and Aaron Nolan is your DJ. Where it's like, all right, Devin, do what Kyle just did and be gone in a year, so we can get the Aaron Nolan as our next multi-year starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, and that's the thing too. Which again, we have to remind ourselves how good Devin Brown is, how much everybody yes. wanted Devin Brown. How good Kyle McCord is, how much everybody wanted Kyle McCord. So we have two more questions from texters that we'll get to, and then we'll wrap it up here on Buckeye Talk after this. All right, Doug, Nathan, and Steven, again, 
we just love to shout out our texters who help drive the conversation. Help, I mean, like more often than not, they do drive it. This is from the 330. Am I missing something with this quarterback competition? The quarterback competition doesn't seem like it's as uneven as it should be. McCord has been in the system for three years, has a regular season start, and sat behind a Heisman finalist. He should be head and shoulders above a freshman at this point. There are excuses about veteran availability at certain offensive positions, but in reality, injuries happen during the regular season as well. Well, these excuses continue when McCord tosses a couple interceptions. If this quarterback race stays the same or becomes even more even, then is Devin Brown the guy? You disregard how much time he's been at school. Play the dudes that are the dudes. What are your thoughts? That's Chris and Austin. I felt like we just spent the last hour being like, it's fine. And then he's like, well, what if Kyle McCord throws up interceptions, which is tied to this. From the 740, if Brown and McCord are neck and neck, is there any credence to the idea that it would be better to go with Brown in order to have two years with him at the helm? Second year Stroud was on another level. That's like, that's what you would get out of it, right? Like, hey. Now, all of a sudden, we just talked about, hey, you're getting McCord in year three, maybe year four. But what if you go to Devin Brown in year two, and then you replicate what you got from C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields? You get year two and year three as guaranteed starters. Or is the quarterback room too perfectly lined up to rock the boat that much? That's from Kurt in the Bay Area. So the the main thing here is that was somebody, Nathan, re-injecting like the, hey, why isn't McCord more ahead? But I think the bottom line that we want to get to here at the end of the pod is – you stack a room, one guy's older, does it matter? Does the tie, and, and we spend a lot of time, as we acknowledge every time we do it, we say we spend a lot of time doing this. Play the young guys. Don't block young guys. Let the young talent come out. At every other position, that's kind of where I am. Like, when in doubt, play the young guy. Live with the mistakes, play the young guy. I don't think that's where I am at quarterback, Nathan. I think I'm at play the best guy. But I'm not so sure, like Georgia right now is given the tie, I think, or the close race to the older guy. They're going with, they have a fourth year, third year, second year guy in the quarterback battle at Georgia. They're leaning with the fourth year guy right now. In a, in a dead heat, Nathan, not that you ever really could have that. I don't know. Should you go with a younger yeah. guy or how should the fact that McCord's in year three and Brown in year two affect this at all? And I think that's the tricky part is like, well, would there ever really be a tie? Does does Ryan Day look at the quarterback position with such minutia that he would always find a separate multiple separating factors to decide who he was going to play? Um, but I don't think cosmetic things or uh, this is where you have to the ruthlessness has to come in a little bit. And that's already maybe happened a little bit. I mean, they haven't picked one yet. So I guess here's the question. If they came, if they had called a press conference for. August 21st or whatever that Monday is and named Devin Brown, the starter. Do we think common courts going in the transfer portal? He's still not going to play any football. He's not going to start at a, any yes. football program that fall. Yeah. You think you would go well, in immediately? I don't think he, well, I, yeah. I, I would we're splitting hairs a little bit. The point is like, would, would Kyle McCord be around the next year. I mean, Kyle McCord wants to play. No, but what I'm, so, what I'm saying is there's a what question I'm of is like, like, who is your, well, but listen, I don't want to get like, like at this point, all I'm saying is, the main thing is do guys transfer, right? That's the main thing. I don't right. think like, if your point is you name it so late that it doesn't make sense for him to transfer. And then do you do transfer. have like sort of a, no. like a disgruntled third year backup quarterback no. in case Devin Brown gets hurt. Maybe I guess no. you would. All right? I'm saying, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, because of the timeline they're on right now, for 2023, I don't think the second year, third year thing matters anymore. 
because I think Kyle McCord is staying for this year anyway, because you're still being within one play of being the starting quarterback at Ohio State is still better than whatever he could do this fall. I think he would probably transfer at the end of the season, you, but you think he'd stay, stick around. I, Listen, I this I mean, is not the point. This isn't the point. Yeah, this isn't the point. I, I this is not the, so the main point is, is not is, who's the backup quarterback right now. It's about stacking the quarterbacks in the future of your room. And so right. the idea for Devin Brown, if you go to him, is more that then you get a year or two out of Devin Brown. Then you're 23-24 Brown. And I think if you're picking Brown, you're acknowledging that McCord might leave. Whatever the timing is or isn't the timing, I think if you don't pick the older guy, you are prepared for him to leave. So that's the bottom line. But should any of that matter? And, and I guess I would say this. Ba- college basketball officially is a year-to-year sport right now. College football is not. Yet entirely but you've got to play the quarterback that gives you the best chance to win right now and the future be darned because the sam hartman conversation we just have i actually think becomes a backup plan because if something happens and neither devin brown nor kyle mccord is here for 2024 alien abduction transfer nfl retires from football and anything right now you have Sam Hartman. Now you're Ohio State and the starting quarter. You're not like, well, I guess we're playing Lincoln Keenholz next year. That's it. Or like, oh, well, I get right. I like, I don't, that's not, oh, well, Air Noland, right? You just got, because you could get Bo Nix or Michael Penix or Jaden Daniels or Jay or Sam Hartman. And it becomes a backup plan, Nathan, that you know that you're attractive. So if it implodes, through your doing or not your doing, bad luck. You're going to be attractive to an established quarterback. It's not your plan, but I do think it frees you up, Nathan, that I just don't think they do or should think about 2024 for a second. Do you agree with yeah, that? It, or do you think they have a little bit of 2024 in the back of their head? No, that, it, right. That was kind of I mean, the point I was getting to in the roundabout there. Maybe that would be the scenario, too, where you if, if for some reason you ended up without Common Court or Devin Brown next year, that would also qualify as year. You look at someone like Sam Hartman, right? But you're, as your point is, there always does now seem to be someone of that standard out there. If, if you really have your back against the wall. But I also think that Ohio State thinks this is stacked up, and I think it has reason to think this is stacked up in a way where it's back won't be against the wall. So do you agree generally with Nathan, with the statement of like, it doesn't matter what year you are, that that is not a factor in the quarterback battle. This is a year three guy versus a year two guy. Doesn't matter. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree. And that's the way I think that you can't have any other approach, but that if you're going to go get a, this caliber of quarterback in every single class. So I do think, for instance, like in 2008, when Ohio State went to Terrell Pryor in week four ahead of Todd Beckman, there was a little bit like we lost to USC, play the freshman. Let's see what we got and get them ready for what's next, right? So there are times when the year does matter. And at some schools, it does. I would also agree right now, this world for Ohio State, I don't think the, the year matters. I think you play the guy. And if it stacks, great. And if it doesn't, Sam Hartman's waiting. Steven, do you think it's a factor at all in this quarterback battle, one's a year three, one's a year two. No, I think it only matters when once somebody's a freshman, because then you're starting from scratch and you're building the, you're literally building things around him at that point. If they're, they're past that, I don't, you can't ask a year three guy for more 
than what he's given. He's given you three. He's now given you three springs in two seasons. That's a lot more than maybe you should be able to ask for from a highly rated quarterback. And Devin Brown is now giving you two springs in a season. Really, two springs in a season for top 100 quarterbacks is the most you can ask for. So at this point, no, you play the better guy. The only time that, as I started with, the only time age matters is if somebody is a true freshman and it feels like the upside is so great and you've already have a lost season, you might as well get to him. So let me, I guess and maybe I guess ask I will say, question. for instance, in, in 2018, Ohio State took the younger guy, the older guy left, the younger guy only yep. stayed a year. And in 2019, they had no quarterback, so they got Justin Fields. So like sort of what you were saying before, Nathan, like they've done this. If you right. said in the spring of 2018, it's Dwayne Haskins versus Joe Burrow, and neither of them are going to be here in 2019. Should that affect anything? Should you go with Joe because he's a year older? Like they just they just had a guy who they felt was ahead, and then they got up against the wall because by 19 it was just Tate Martell and Matthew Baldwin, and they went and got the best possible transfer quarterback available. So Ryan Day started his career by living in that world. But if you had said to yourself, now that's a little different. That's year four, year three. They're both old at that point. The guy who's not the starter is probably going to leave regardless. So that's a little different than year three, year two. But Justin Fields is kind of already the answer to the question that we're asking of. No, a transfer quarterback is not the plan. But if your back's against the wall because of things that happen and both your plan A's are gone, now you can do something about it. So I guess another way to ask it then is, because I think it's a great question to ask. If it's a tie, if it's like a virtual tie, do you lean young because you're going to maybe get more out of two years from that person? You're going to get the whole year of development as a starter, similar play, and then the next year. But let me ask it the other way. If it's a virtual tie, then should the tie go to the guy who was stuck around, didn't transfer, stuck around until that third year, as not only a responsibility you have to them, but also a message to the other quarterbacks that you're recruiting year after year after year after year that you're going to get that first shot. That doesn't mean just because you start on opening day also that you keep the job. Look at what Michigan did last year. That was another way to approach this. Have two guys that are neck and neck, give them both a shot, reevaluate. Although I honestly think you're kind of only doing that last year if you're Jim Harbaugh, if you see the end result being J.J. McCarthy. No, I part of it might have just been JJ wasn't ready to be the full time go go to guy at the beginning of the year the way he was at the end of the year. So that might be part of that. No, um, I don't I don't think they need to care about who's been here here longer or who's younger. They don't even promise that in the recruiting. The recruit the recruiting pitches come develop in the best room in the country. And if you're the best guy in the room, then you'll be the starter. And if not, then like listen, you can still say that you developed at Ohio State. They they use Joe Burrow all the time. But no, I I don't think any of this matters. It doesn't matter if you're – unless you're a freshman because that's a different scenario. Other than that, I don't care if you've been here two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, or whatever it is. The best guy is going to play. In the meantime, develop in the best room in the country. That's all that matters. I do think in the end if there's a tie, actually what wins is the guy who makes the fewest mistakes. And sometimes that can be shorthand for the older guy. I think maybe that's what George is doing. No knock on Carson Beck. I just think maybe they there's a little bit more from Brock, Brock Vandegriff and, and Gunnar Stockton. But you lean towards, we just want the fewest mistakes because we have all these other guys, like you were saying, Nathan. It's like, well, we just don't, we just don't want interceptions because we don't want someone killing a drive when Marvin and Mecca and Trey and Donovan Jackson are trying to do their thing. So 
if that means the older guy, but sometimes maybe you have an older guy who's a little more loose and you have a younger guy who's a little more steady and you go with the younger guy. But if anyone's thinking about a tie, and again, that's one of those where like I would usually say, especially every other position, I say, tie, go to the dynamic guy, go to the playmaker, live with the mistakes. But at quarterback, especially I think with the way Ryan Day thinks, tie goes to the fewest mistakes. I think you're right. And I think from what I saw this spring, I think that person was Kyle McCord. Even though he threw some picks in, in practice too that we saw, I think if you're if you're evaluating quarterbacks, you're not just going with the end result. You're charting every pass and which ones were interceptable or 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 were actually not anywhere close to anybody. And I think there were a few more of those from from Dev Brown. From what I saw, I just think there was just a, a steadiness to the common core play that there wasn't for Devin Brown, even if the overall package sometimes was pretty similar. All right, so let's leave with this. Our sports editor, Dave Campbell, really wants us usually with things to say, like, what's the action here? Don't just have a discussion. Tell people what you think should be the thing. So the the thing that we're telling them, Stephen, is not who the quarterback should be, because that's not where we started. This podcast is not who should be Ohio State's starting quarterback. The podcast topic, where it started, was why are people confused? Should they feel angst? How should Ohio State football fans feel about the process of the quarterback competition, where it stands right now. What's the last piece of advice, Stephen, that we can tell our listeners about how they should be internalizing this battle right now at the end of May? I think you should feel confident that it's eventually going to get figured out. Whoever wins this job will be at a level from, you should have some benefit of the doubt that whoever wins this job is going to be at a level that isn't going to be some crazy drop-off from what we've seen from the past three quarterbacks that's going to hinder this team from being able to do what it's going to do. The quarterback is not going to be an issue. So allow the process to play out, and by that second week of fall camp, we should know who that person is, and then you can start to galvanize behind that person. I know it's been hard not to being able to do that in the same way that you were in the past with guys like Dwayne and Justin and and CJ, but – Whoever wins this job between those two guys should be at a level that it should reach the standard that we're, we've grown accustomed to at Ohio State. Last piece of angst advice, Nathan Baird. Uh, again, I, what I think, it, I think there is more indecision about who the final quarterback will be than there is indecision whether the quarterback play will be good. Is that a fair way to say it? Like, at least from my observation. Yeah. Like this idea that yeah. maybe they're maybe they will either pick the wrong guy and it'll that'll kill the season or neither of these guys can do it. I don't really think that's what we're talking about here. Remember the spring uh, we, we used the term messy before as far as like quarterback decisions. Well, the spring was kind of messy as far as being able to evaluate things in practice. But for us, for sure, and I'm sure even at times for the coaching staff, the offensive line had some issues. I don't know if you guys heard. The offensive line is is still coming together a little bit. And the defensive line looked really good. And those sorts of things made it, it just made it messy at times. So that has probably also affected a little bit the way that we have talked about this, tried to talk about this, tried to give good evaluations. But that does get in the way a little bit because there were times when they're on the run. So I would just let this summer play out. These guys are both working out this summer, trying to get better. And uh We'll come up for air in August and let you know what we see. No Mecca Buka this spring. No Julian Fleming this spring. Limited Marvin Harrison in the spring game when that was where everyone really got to see everything. That also affected stuff. Certainly what you're talking about there, Nathan. I do think in the end, this is mostly normal. And I think when you love your team, as you guys listening do, 
you know your team better than anything else. So you know the warts. And I think the better you know something, the harder you should be on it. Because when you know something really well, it's not that you know all the good better than everybody else. Because more often than not, we all see the good. The good's very public. The questions, the bad, the uncertainty, that can be more private. So someone walking past Ohio State football is a fan of somebody else. I say, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, two highly rated quarterbacks. I'm sure they're fine. And then if you know Ohio State, you're like, I don't know. So I think that's right. I think that's the right way to follow your team. But it's we're not out of the realm, I would think, in the end, right? With offensive tackle, the reason we talk about it the way we do is we think we're outside the realm of the norm at Ohio State with how they typically go about developing their tackle position. We are outside the realm of normal. We are not outside the realm of normal at all. With the Ohio State quarterback situation. I Like, we are smack dab in the midst of normal. This is far more normal than when Justin Fields was the starter and they literally had no backup quarterback. And Gunnar Hoke was here and they're like, uh, like I hope we don't ever have to play Gunnar Hoke. Like, this is much healthier than that. And that back then, I'm talking about, man, I heard Justin Fields throws interceptions in practice. And it's like, okay, well, it was all fine. So, it's normal May angst. But if you care about your team, I think you should have it. Because the other thing I don't think you can do is just absolutely assume. Well, they've had all good quarterbacks under Ryan Day. <clears throat> Close your eyes, it'll be fine. I, I don't think that's the right way to do it either. Because that, I think, takes for granted the work that gets put into it. And everybody involved is working their butts off right now for Ohio State to have a good quarterback for the opener against Indiana. All right, that'll do it for now. Make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Be reading cleveland.com slash OSU, where Michigan Week continues, writing about the halfway point of the Ohio State-Michigan game from last year to this coming year. For now, for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>